Somebody say, thank God for his word. Do you have a few minutes this morning to spend in the word of God? You're here. You might as well, right? Might as well get something out of this. And if you came expecting, you will get something out of it. Go with me, please, this morning to the book of John chapter six. We've been talking together for the last several weeks since the beginning of this month about increase to overflow. And we've been excited about it, right? We have been stirred up. We've been shouting together. We've been a bunch of crazy people up in here. And we declare that over you again today. You are a bunch of crazy people. And what we've been doing together is looking to the word of God to help renew our minds to the will of God. What is the will of God for our lives? So you can't have faith in God for anything in your life until you know what the will of God is. Faith begins where the will of God is known. You couldn't have faith to be born again until you knew that God wanted you born again. And the same thing's true with being filled with his Holy Spirit. The, th the same thing's true uh, with being healed. You cannot have faith, confident expectation of healing in your body, unless and until you know and you're fully persuaded it's God's will for me to be healed. Do I have any people in here this morning fully persuaded of that fact? It's God's will for you to be healed. Why don't you say it out loud? It is God's will. I am fully persuaded. He wants me well. He wants me strong. He wants me healed. So you got to be fully persuaded of that because as soon as symptoms of sickness or disease show up in your life, they are there trying to talk you out of that. And you're going to have to be able to talk right back to them and say, no, I am fully persuaded. My God loves me. And not only is he able to heal me, he's willing. He wants to. Now we have to do this same thing where prosperity is concerned. Prosperity in any area of our lives, spirit, soul, and body. That would include materially. That would include financially. You cannot have faith for God to prosper you, prosper you in your business, prosper you in your home finances, prosper you in your ministry finances. You can't have faith for prosperity in any area until you know, until you are fully persuaded God wants me as prosperous as he does healed. God wants me as prosperous as he does saved. Because all of this is a part of our salvation. The Bible actually says this in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Now, this is what you look like when all grace is abounding towards you. He said all grace. That should tell you there's more than one grace. There's more than one grace. Did you know that? That might come as a revelation to you today. There's more than one grace. The Bible says the, that, that, that grace has appeared to all men that we should be saved. That saving grace has appeared to all of us in Jesus. But did you know there's a grace to be filled with the Holy Spirit? There's a grace to be healed in this physical body. And he said here in this scripture that he's able to not just make one or two of these graces abound to you. How many graces can he make abound towards you? All of them. And this is what you look like when all grace is abounding towards you. 
Put that on the screen for us. God's able to make all grace abound towards you that you, what? Always having all sufficiency in all things. Did you catch that? What do you look like when all grace is abounding towards you? You always have all sufficiency in all things. That's never coming short. That's never running out. That's never lacking. That's never being behind. And it's the result of all grace abounding towards you. Now that in itself would be a wonderful thing, wouldn't it? To never come short again. To never lack anymore. Not another day for the rest of your life. But that's not even the end of it. That's just you increasing to the point where you're full. He actually said, when all grace is abounding towards you, you'll always have all sufficiency in all things, and you're going to have an abundance to give to every good work. That's overflow. You increase to the point where every need you have is met, then you overflow to the point where you're meeting the needs of others. That's prosperity. If you're looking for a definition for biblical prosperity, New Testament prosperity, that is it right there. Always having all sufficiency in all things with an abundance, with overflow. So when somebody wants to fight the so-called prosperity message, that's what they're fighting. When somebody says to you, you believe in that prosperity message, your thought should be, well, do you mean, I, do I believe in always having all sufficiency in all things with an abundance to give to every good work? Yeah, you better believe I believe it. That's the definition of it right there. Increase, 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 overflow. That's prosperity. Somebody say, that's prosperity. And I want us to look together at something today in the scriptures, because that's where we find the will of God. We don't find the will of God revealed in tradition. We don't find the will of God revealed in somebody else's experience or lack of experience. We don't find the will of God revealed in our own lack of experience. We find it in the word of God. And if our experience doesn't match up with his word, then our prayer should be, Lord, I'm asking you to elevate my experience. Bring my life up to where it looks like your word. So we've been looking to the word to renew our mind, to renovate the way we think, that we might be filled with the knowledge of the will of God for our lives concerning specifically prosperity. And we've talked some specifically about material prosperity, financial prosperity. Does the word of God have any, anything to say about this? Well, if it does, we better find out. If we want to have faith for any of that in our lives, we better find out what his will is and we find it out from the word. Today, I want to talk to you, continuing along these lines, about how. We've spent the last several weeks really driving home and, an, and establishing in us what is the will of God for us in these areas. And if you need to, and it'd be a good idea, go back and get some of those. They're online. Everything's free, free of charge. Go back and, and keep listening to it and keep listening to it and keep listening to it. Because every time you hear it, 
there's a renovation taking place. And if you want your life to be proof of what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, it happens as your mind is renewed. And like we've said before, that word renewed literally means renovated. So you might have to do some renovation in the way you think. There might need to be some demolition of some old traditional ways of thinking that don't line up with the word of God. And you might have to replace it with truth. And that's what we've been doing today. I want to get into the how specifically how to turn a little into a lot. Anybody interested in this? How to, how to turn a little into a lot. The title of this message is how a little becomes a lot. Now, if somebody were to say to you, somebody who was a, a successful investor or a friend who read a book and man, it changed their lives. And, and, and they said, man, you got to read this. It'll tell you what to do with your money and you'll be rich. There's a lot of people that that would have their attention like that. There's a lot of people that would pick up that book and read it and man, they'd read it cover to cover and they would do everything that book told them to do. If it was telling them how to take what little they have and turn it into a lot. People do that. We know they do that. We know that that industry alone of, of teaching people how to increase and how to get rich. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. Well, I got a book I want you to read. I'm standing here with a book I want you to read and, and I want you to check it out because there's some information in this book that will absolutely teach you how to take what you have, even if it's a little and turn it into a lot. Would you read the book if I gave it to you? I got a book I want you to read today. There's some instructions in this book about how a little becomes a lot. And if we had time, man, we'd go cover to cover. There is example after example in the word of God about how a little becomes a lot. This is actually something that God specializes in. I'm reminded of uh, Elijah when the Lord spoke to him and he said, I want you to go to this widow in Zarephath. I've spoken to her and I have commanded her to provide for you there. So he did. He went to Zarephath and he found her. And when he found her, she was in the field. She's picking up sticks. And he goes to her and says, Hey, I would like for you to bring me a cup of water and I want you to make me some bread. I want you to make me a cake. And she said to him, now this is in a time of famine. And she said to her, she said to him, uh, listen, I don't have enough. I don't have enough to make something for you. Actually, all I've got left is enough to make one last little cake for me and for my son. And here's her plan. We're going to eat it and die. That's not a lot of vision, is it? <laughs> we're gonna eat, we're just, this is our last meal and we're going to eat it and we are going to die because it's famine and everybody's running out. And in first Kings, you don't have to turn there, but in chapter 17, uh, verse 13, Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you've said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me and afterward make yourself and your, make some for yourself and your son. Then he gives her this word of the Lord for thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. 
Now here, this woman has a real choice to make. She's at a really critical crossroad here. She has so little that there's barely enough to feed her and her son for one last meal. And now she's got this prophet of God standing in front of her with this word of the Lord that says, feed me first. Huh? You say you speak for God, do you? Well, she's got a choice to make. Do I believe this word or do I say this guy's crazy? These preachers always come into town, stealing my food, wanting my money. Well, she had a choice to make, but she believed the word of the Lord. And she went in and she made uh, a little bit of food for Elijah. She made some for herself. She made some for her son. And the scripture goes on to say that this miracle took place, that that bin of flour and that jar of oil, it didn't run dry all the way through that famine. Not only did she eat that meal, but they ate again and the next day and the next day and the next day. And not only did she feed her and her son, the Bible says she fed her whole household. This is awesome. This is a little becoming a lot. Can you imagine the praise party that took place every day in the kitchen when they go in there again? And she opens the lid to that jar. She just takes a piece. She said, there's still something in there. Oh, it's still full. It's still full. It's still full. Glory to God, it's still full. And then her son says, I thought you made a cake yesterday. I did, but there's still some in here. What about the oil? She checks the jar of oil. It's still full. Glory to God. God's doing miracles in this woman's life. A little has become a lot. It's miraculous. In 2 Kings, the prophet Elisha, similar situation. He's speaking to a woman. A woman whose husband had died, and I suppose it was a, a sudden and unexpected death, and she's talking to Elisha, and she says, what am I going to do? My husband's died, and he left me with this impossible debt to pay, and the creditors have told me they're on their way, like right now, and they're coming to collect, and I don't have the money to give them, so they're going to take my sons. They, she said, they're going to take my sons, and he's going to make my sons his slaves to pay off this debt. And Elisha said, well, what do you want me to do? And then he asked her this question. And this is such a critical question. What do you have in the house? What do you have in the house? And she said, I got nothing. The only thing that I have in this house is a little jar of oil. He said, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out, go into the neighborhood, Go knocking on doors, and I want you to collect every empty vessel that you can get your hand on. I want you to go to neighbor after neighbor after neighbor and just tell them, I don't have time to explain it. Can I just borrow a jar? Can I borrow a vessel? Do you have a glass? Do you have a bucket? Do you have anything that will hold something? I got to get my hands on. And he told her this, not just a few. Go get, go get every single vessel, empty vessel that you can get your hands on because she's just got a little jar of oil. So she brings them and I don't know how many trips it took her, but she's going out and she's bringing everyone that she could find. And according to the word of the Lord, she began to pour that oil from her little jar into these others. And much to her amazement, it just kept filling up and filling up and filling up. And it went from one vessel to another, to another, to another, to another. And finally, Elisha said, bring me another vessel. She said, that's all I could find. And the oil didn't stop flowing until she ran out of vessels. And there was enough where Elisha said, now, 
take this, go and sell it, pay off your debt, and then live, check this out, on the rest. What is that? Overflow. She increased to the point where she had all sufficiency. And with the rest, the overflow, now she's living on it. This was a widow woman in debt over her head. And in one day, now she's in the oil business. What do you do for a living? I'm in the oil business. Well, I can tell you're a very prosperous woman. Yeah, debt-free, no debt, don't owe anybody anything. One day, God took a little. And what did he do? Turned it into a lot. Is this still the God we serve? Is this still? Now, we know he's got the ability. The question we're asking and answering is, is it his will? Was it his will? How do you know it was the will of God to do it? It's in his word. We see it in his word. Is this still the God we serve? Do we still serve a God who has the ability and the willingness to take whatever little you've got and turn it into a lot? You're going to be excited about this by the end of this day. I guarantee you this. So what do we want to do right now is continue to do what we've been doing, not just look into the word, even though, even though the word cover to cover is a revelation of his will. We're also looking where to Jesus, looking specifically to the ministry of Jesus to find out, is it God's will to prosper us, to prosper us? Now, let me ask you something from what you know from the ministry of Jesus. Can you ever think of a time where Jesus took a little and turned it into a lot? I see heads nodding. Help me out. Has anybody ever just, just your knowledge of the gospels, your knowledge of the ministry of Jesus. Was this something he was prone to doing? Taking a little bit of something, turning it into a lot. Did he do it once? Did he do it more than once? Oh yeah, he did it and he did it over and over. We know from the gospels that there were times, a time when he took a little and he fed more than 4,000 people with a little bit of food. What we're about to read about is the time where he fed more than 5,000 people with just a little bit of food. And you see that here in John chapter six. And, and you know the story, spoiler alert, there's a multitude coming to Jesus. He says, I want to feed him and he ends up feeding him. I'm not trying to give away the ending here, but you know this. What I want us to ask and answer though today is how. We don't want to just see that it happened. We want to know what? How does this happen? And isn't that, isn't that our nature? We want to know how. When we see something amazing, we go, that's amazing. How'd you do that? And you should be asking God that all the time. When you see something amazing take place in his word, or you see something amazing take place in the world around you, the first thing you should say is glory to God. The next thing you should say is, how'd you do that? How'd you do that? Say it to him right now. How'd you do that, Lord? We want to know how you did that. And there were people that, that said that in Jesus' ministry, when they saw him perform a miracle, when they saw him cast out demons, they said, what a word this is. In other words, how'd you do that with your words? There was, no, there was no magical dance. There was no waving of the hand. There was no process or procedure. Jesus spoke to it 
and it changed. He spoke to the devil and it left. He spoke to the sickness and it ran away. And they sat there and went, how'd you do that with a word? So when we see Jesus here in just a moment, take a little and turn it into a lot, you're seeing several things all at once. Number one, you're seeing this is the will of God. And if it was his will that day, guess what? He has not changed. Jesus Christ is the same. Say it with me. Yesterday, today, and forever. And if it was in his willingness, within his willingness and ability to feed them on that day, it is his will to feed you and to feed me today. Glory to God. So we're seeing it in Jesus' ministry, which tells us this is the will of God. But let's not just look at it and see that God can do it, or even just that he will do it. What is it we want to know? How? How'd you do that, Jesus? How did you take a little and turn it into a lot? In John chapter 6, I'm going to read this story to you, but then we're going to go back and unpack it a little bit. You see this in verse 1. It says, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. Why are they coming to him? Healing. They were drawn by healing. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat with his disciples and the Passover, a feast of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? I like verse six, but this he said to test him for he himself knew what he would do. He said this to test Philip and we see some insight here. Jesus knew what he would do. Now, I don't know that that meant specifically that Jesus knew exactly how this was about to unfold, that perhaps he had a word of knowledge or something from the spirit of God that, that told him exactly what was about to happen. All we know is that Jesus knew what he was going to do in this situation. And he asked Philip a question he said, where are we going to buy bread that these may eat? So whose idea is it to feed the people? Jesus. Let's try it again. Whose idea is it to feed the people? Jesus. Whose idea is it to provide for the people? Jesus. Philip's idea? No. no. The people's idea? No. no. They're not even there yet. Jesus lifts up his eyes, sees them coming from afar off, and the first thing out of his mouth is, I want to feed them. Is this still our Jesus? Or has he changed? Does he have a different priority for us now? No. He sees you and I coming, and what's on his mind? I want to feed. I want to provide. It was Jesus' idea to feed the people. Philip answered him in verse seven and said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that everyone may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Andrew, uh, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, verse 10, I want you to notice this, make the people sit down. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Let me remind you what's going on here. This is the 23rd Psalm in action. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down. That word sit, if you look it up, it's literally the word recline. 
Jesus said, make the people lie down. Now there was much grass in the place. What's happening? Jesus, the good shepherd, is saying to the people, he says, make them lie down in green pastures. This is the 23rd Psalm in action. And when Jesus is the good shepherd, what did David say? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I will not lack. Make the people sit down, he said. There was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, I want you to mark that, underline that, highlight that. What did he do with it? When he had given thanks. He distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. So what happened? People ate, they got full and there was more than enough. Increase, 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 overflow. Jesus took a little and he turned it into a lot. And in verse 13, it says, therefore they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did said, this is truly the prophet that's come into the world. They saw this sign of provision and recognized Jesus for who he was. So the, the question again, what are we asking? I mean, it's a miracle. There's no doubt about it. It's awesome. We can shout and praise God over it, but what do we want to know next? How, Jesus? How'd you do that? Now, there's a couple of things we're going to see in this today. We're going to see how he did it, but we're also going to see how it almost didn't happen. Because what you see in this passage is two disciples mentioned by name and recorded for us is their response, their response to this overwhelming need. And the reason we're going to look at that is because their mentality is what's pervasive in the body of Christ today. We're going to see not only how it happened, we're going to see what could keep it from happening. So again, Jesus, how'd you do that? Well, we know the story. There was a, uh, a little boy there. He had a little lunch, not much, right? Small, it was a little. He had five loaves of bread, two small fish. Jesus, he, he took them. But notice what happened in verse 11. This is the how. This is where this miracle took place. This is how a little becomes a lot. He took the loaves and when he had began to cry, when he began to cry out to God and say, oh God, don't you see what a need we have? Don't you see the starving people, God? Don't you see how hungry they are? Don't you see the need? God, tell me, don't you see the need? And he began to cry out to God and he began to plead with God and he began to beg God Almighty, we know you are able. We know it's you, oh God. Is this what's happening? Not this day, but is it happening in the church? Is it happening throughout the world? All day, everywhere. 
People are begging God, God, don't you see? God, don't you see the size of the need? God, don't you see how, how much we don't have? God, can't you see we can't meet the need? Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. But here's the thing. God doesn't speak beggar. When you and I beg, we're begging in a language he doesn't understand. We're talking in a language he doesn't speak. He doesn't speak that language. He speaks faith. And if two people are ever going to get anything done, then they are at some point going to have to learn to speak the same language. And we're fun, funny as English speaking people. I've noticed this before my own tendencies. I've seen people do it. Maybe you're in another country, a Spanish speaking country, and you're looking for something you can't find where you're headed and you stop somebody, please, can, can you tell me how to get to the hotel? Oh, uh, no, no habla inglés. Can you please tell me how to get to the hotel? And we've got it in our heads that talking louder is what's going to help them understand. Oh, I'm sorry. Now I get it. You shouted. So now I understand. No. And yet we have found out when we're not getting a response to our begging, what's, what's been our inclination? Beg louder. This is not a language our God speaks. He speaks faith. What did Jesus do? How? How did he turn such a little thing into so much? We don't even have any recorded words. All we know is that they handed it to him and he gave thanks. There's your how. He gave thanks. Now this miracle is one of the few that are recorded in every gospel. Listen to it from some of the others. From Matthew's gospel, this same account, chapter 14, verse 19 in the New Living Translation, I'll have it up here for you. It says, Jesus told the people to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and two fish and looked up. Somebody say, look up. He looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. Mark's account of this, chapter 6, verse 41. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish and looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples they could distribute to the people. Luke's account of this, chapter 9, verse 16. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish and he looked up. Say it again, looked up. He looked up toward heaven and blessed them. And he broke the loaves into two pieces and he began to distribute. It's not until you get to John's account that we just read that we found out not only what Jesus did in blessing, but how he blessed it. He blessed by giving thanks. Now listen to what it means to bless. You still with me? Yeah. To bless means to celebrate with praise, to speak well of. It also means to think, to thank. It means to cause to prosper. This is what the word bless means. If you're awake this morning, this will change the way you pray over lunch. The book of Genesis tells us in chapter 1, verse 28, this is the first thing human ears ever heard. It says, God blessed them. 
And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is the power of the blessing. The blessing has multiplying power in it. And all we know that Jesus did with the five loaves and the two fish is that he blessed it. He celebrated it with praise. He spoke well of it. He gave thanks for it. And in doing that, he put multiplying power in it. How do you take a little and turn it into a lot? You get thankful for it. You bless it. And blessing, part of blessing, is speaking well of. But you notice, did you notice what was in connection to that blessing every time? Where he looked. It's where he looked. He was not looking at this little supply and, and speaking in response to what he was looking at in a little supply. Where did he look? He looked up. Sometimes you got to take your eyes off what little you have and you got to look up. And then what do you do? You start blessing it. You start speaking well of it. You start thanking God for it. And as you do that, you put multiplication power in whatever little you have. Little bin of flour, little jar of oil, few bucks in your wallet, couple of bucks in the account. Don't be looking at the account if there's just a little in there. Where do you need to be looking? Look up. Look up. And what do you start doing? Oh, Lord, I thank you. Oh, Lord, I bless you and I bless this account in Jesus' name. And you start speaking well of it. This is what it means to bless. This is how Jesus turned a little into a lot. If you got a hold of this, it would change the way you think. It would change the way you talk about money, about what you've got, about what you need. Because it would set a guard over your mouth and you would stop doing all this cursing. You'd stop doing all this speaking ill and you'd start speaking well. There was not a lot there to speak well of. Five loaves and two fish. It takes a lot of faith to thank God for something so little. But you know what? Anybody... Any unsaved, not filled with the Holy Ghost person just, just walking the streets, anybody can be thankful for what they have been given, for what they see. Anybody can be thankful for what's there. It takes a spiritual person. It takes a person of faith to give thanks for what they don't yet see. It takes a person of faith to give thanks for what they don't yet have. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's not staring down at this little supply. He's looking up and blessing and thanking and putting blessing power, that multiplication power on it. How did Jesus do it? How did he turn a little into a lot? Well, he's God and he can do that. <clears throat> Wrong answer. He did it and we've got the same power. If you can be thankful, you can turn a little into a lot. Thankful for not just what you see, but thankful for what you don't yet see. But I want you right now, in the few minutes we have here, go back and look at these two disciples that Jesus involved in this whole miracle. 
and look at their mentality. Listen to their responses and, and see if you identify with any of this, because this, like I said, is a, mental, a mentality that's pervasive in the body of Christ even today. Back up into chapter six, where it says, Jesus lifted his eyes, verse five, seeing a great multitude coming toward him. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread? Where's the bread going to come from? that these may eat. Again, it's Jesus' idea to feed the people. But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. This he said to test him. Is Jesus testing Philip here? Yes, says he is. Is it possible that he'd still test you or me today? Yeah, he is. He would. He does. But I want you to make special note here of the form that this test comes in. Actually make note of the form that this test does not come in. He's not testing Philip with sickness. He's not testing Philip with tragedy. He's not testing Philip with loss of a loved one. He's not testing Philip with poverty. Why am I saying this? Because this is all the junk people have made up to say, this is what God will test you with. No, he'll test you, but it doesn't have anything to do with this. He tested him with a question. He tested him with a statement, with a word. And the test was this, Philip, where's it going to come from? I want to feed him. Where's it going to come from? This he said to test him. Now, let me just give you a heads up. I know it sounds like cheating. It's not. It's an open book test. What the answer is to the, to the question, anytime and every time Jesus tests you with the question, you know what the answer is? Faith. That's what he's looking for. Every time, faith. And if faith was what he was looking for that day, guess what he's looking for today? Same stuff, same thing. He's just looking for faith. That's why Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? I'm looking for faith. It's precious. It's rare. It's not everywhere. But when he tests you and the question specifically when it has to do with your provision and your supply and your prosperity, and the question is, hey, where's it going to come from? What's he looking for? He's looking for some faith out of you. Even if you can't point to some natural place where it could possibly come from, what do you do? Come on, were you here like six minutes ago? Where are you supposed to be looking? Look up. The answer is look up. And even if the only thing you know to say is, is coming from you, Jesus, I have no idea how. I have no idea when. I have no idea, but I do know where. It's coming from you. Say it out loud. It's coming from you, Jesus. Are you with me this morning? Look up. But what did Philip do? Let's look at his answer and see if we can find any faith in it. Spoiler alert, not much. This he said to test him, but Philip answered and said, this is interesting, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that everyone may have a little. That's kind of a specific amount of money, isn't it? When you couple this with the other accounts, it stands to reason this is what they had on hand. Now a denarii is a day's wages. And so they've got 200 days wages on hand. That's a chunk of change. I mean, take whatever you make a year 
divide it by 365, find out what that is a day, multiply that by 200, and that's what's in their pocket. And that's why he said specifically that amount. Look at some of the other places in the scriptures. He said, do you want us to go buy 200 denarii worth of bread? Why would he say that? That's what we got. But this is a wrong mentality. When you are facing particularly what looks to be an impossible situation, what you don't do, are you listening to me? What you don't do first is look to yourself. This is what will keep what you have a little, and it will never turn into a lot. If you just look only to what you've got, only to what you are able to do. Jesus said, where is it going to come from? And what did he do immediately? He looked to himself, looked to his own ability to supply. And we've learned this in the ministry. Let me tell you something, man. We have learned this, and I have actually come to the place where I find great comfort in God telling us to do stuff there's no way we could do. I have found so much comfort in him saying, hey, do this, and we have nowhere near the money to do it. Why do I find comfort in that? That tells me I'm hearing from him. This is one of the big ways you know that you're hearing from God, because you aren't making up impossible stuff. None of us are. None of us are making up things to put ourselves in situations where we can't meet the need and we can't provide, but he has no qualms whatsoever about facing you with something so big, so expensive, so expansive that you have to trust him. I've come to the place in the ministry. I love it. I love it. You think we had a, all the money we needed to move to Colorado and buy a big building on a bunch of land? <laughs> no. No, but instead of looking at what we had, we looked up. Okay, you're my provider. You're my source. You're my supply. My faith is in you. You've got to look up. If you look only to what you have, only your own strength, only your own ability, it'll keep what you have small. Let me read this scripture to you from the book of Jeremiah. He said in chapter 17, verse five, thus says the Lord cursed. That's not good. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. Now that would include you trusting somebody else. That would include you trusting government, trusting institutions, trusting, uh, trusting um, in your own education, trusting in your own ex experience, trusting in your own credit score, trusting in the bank. That would include you putting confidence and trust in any man. But it would also and most dangerously include you trusting you. Are you man? Are you flesh? Yeah. And he's saying the result of trusting yourself is the curse. Cursed is this person whose heart departs from the Lord. He'll be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but will inhabit parched places in the wilderness in a salt land, which is not inhabited. But listen to the flip side of this blessed. Anybody interested in this? Yes. Blessed who who's blessed. Blessed is the man who trusts the Lord whose hope is the Lord. He'll be like a tree planted by waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. 
The cross reference there says he won't even see it, but his leaf will be green. He'll not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. So you've got, you've got a cursed person and you've got a blessed person. And the difference is one trusts themselves, one trusts God. And the biggest thing, the most, I don't know the right way to say it, the scariest thing, if you will, about living a cursed life, you know what he said there? He doesn't even see when good comes. How could that be possible? How could good be right in front of you and you don't even see it? Huh? just looking in the wrong direction. Thanksgiving is the result of what you're looking at. But so many people don't ever see good and it's not because good isn't there. It's because it's standing right in front of them, but they're always looking somewhere else, always looking at what's not right, always looking at what's gone wrong. And yet good is right in front of them where you got to look if you want to find good. Come on, where you got to look if you want to find, you got to look up. You got to look up. Jesus said to Philip, where are we going to get this bread? He immediately looked to himself and he said, we don't even have enough to, to buy everyone a little. Now look at what happened. Here's another disciple that chimes in. Verse eight, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. Listen to this though. But what are they among so many? That's the mentality that so much of the body of Christ is suffering from when it comes to prospering. It's what's keeping people small. It's what takes away God's ability to take what little they have, turn it into a lot. Something good has come. Five loaves, two small fish. Here's something good. Does he see it as something good? No. What does he do? He says, yeah, we got something, but what is this? What are they among so many? You know what he did? He called it nothing. He said, this is nothing. And this is what you will do. If the only thing you ever do is look at what you have in the light of what you need, then you're going to look at what you have and you're going to call it nothing. Do you know that right now, there are people with $10 million in the account and they call it nothing. Why? Because they need a hundred million. That's hard for some of us to imagine. It's hard for us to imagine having that much and yet calling it nothing. Why would somebody do that? They would do that if all they ever do is look at what they have in the light of what they need. Help me out. Is Andrew being thankful? Is he thanking God? Is he speaking well of these five barley loaves and two fish? No, he's calling it nothing. How would you feel if you or, or, or your child, this is about a little boy. What if your child who's down the hall in our children's ministry, he comes and says, mommy, I have, I want to give my, my $5 that I have at home. I want to give it to, to, to the church and, and I want to sow it into the church. And you say, wow, baby. Okay. Wonderful. Well, we'll take that. How would you feel if you and your little child brought that to one of our staff members and our staff member looked at it and was like, are you kidding me? We need a thousand dollars a day for 365 days. What's five bucks. Uh, this is what happened. This is what happened in Jesus own ministry. 
a little boy brought an offering, but instead of speaking well of it, he called it nothing. But can I give you a big revelation today? You ready for this? Something is not nothing. Oh, wow. Somebody ought to shout amen for that. I'll say it again. Something is not nothing. So don't call it nothing. Don't think of it as nothing. Don't treat it like it's nothing. Well, what do you do instead? You bless it. You bless it. You speak well of it. If you realize that that same blessing power to multiply that's in the mouth of God is in your mouth, it'll change the way you look at stuff. It'll change the way you talk about stuff. Man, this got all over me early this morning. I was standing looking in the mirror doing my hair and I started blessing every hair on my head. Turning another year older not too long ago, I'm blessing these hairs. I'm blessing, I'm blessing this body from the top of this head to the soles of this feet. I call this body blessed. I call hair, you listen to me, you multiply. You go this way, not that way. I bless every one of those hairs on my head. And and if you're, you know, beginning to run out, you better start blessing now. You better start thanking God now. It will change the way you talk about things. It'll change the way you talk about this body. When something's not right with it, stop cursing it. Stop talking about what's wrong with it. Find something that works good and start thanking God for it. Oh, that little toe. There is no pain in that toe right there. Thank you, Lord. That little toe right there. Oh, it is totally pain-free. Look at that. I can dance on that thing all day long. This is how you get healed. This is how you prosper in your body. How do you prosper financially? You take whatever's in that bin of flour, you take whatever's in that little jar of oil, and you start blessing it. You start thanking God for it. Lord, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't even have this. You have provided for me. And you start thanking him, not just for what's there, but for what's coming. This is a person of faith. This is a spiritual person. Amen? How do you turn a little into a lot? How does a little become a lot? By giving thanks and speaking well of what you have. Why don't you stand up with me? I think it'd be good for us to put some of this into practice, put some of this into action. Now there's something else we need to be aware of here. If Thanksgiving has the power to turn a little into a lot, what do you think being unthankful can do? Listen to this from the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 28, the Bible says in verse 47, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything, therefore you will serve your enemies who the Lord will send against you. He talked about being in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, listen to this, and in need of everything. Why? What brought these people into that condition? There was no joy. There was no gladness. They were not thankful for what the Lord had done for them. Listen to it from the NIV. Because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully and gladly in the time of prosperity, therefore in hunger and thirst, in nakedness and dire poverty will you serve your enemies. What happened? They had a lot. God had been so good to these people. He had prospered them and blessed them, but because they just simply failed to be thankful, 
it turned a lot into a little. Unthankfulness, being unthankful has the power to take even what you do have and turn it into less. I told you this will change what comes out of your mouth. If I were you, I would not let another unthankful, ungrateful word come out of your mouth. I don't care if you go out in the morning and the car won't start and you are about to kick that thing with everything you got. You stop and you thank God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, I thank you. At least I got a car. Oh, thank you, Father, for it. You have blessed me, and you have blessed me so richly. Instead of looking at this hunk of junk, I'm looking up. Oh, thank you, Lord. I can see what's coming. Oh, I can see that new car coming. I can see, oh, you've been so faithful. You provided this, you'll provide that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Instead of looking in the, mir in the mirror at what you don't like, staring back at you. Instead of complaining about something going on in your body, instead of complaining about a sickness, instead of complaining about some weakness in your body, get thankful because the unthankfulness that's coming out of your mouth, it's taking you in the wrong direction. Thanksgiving to all. Oh, thank you, Lord, for this body, this strong body. And if you got to close your eyes, close your eyes. If you got to look up, don't look at the body, look up. What did Jesus do? He looked up and he blessed it. Father, I look up and I bless this body. This is a blessed body. This is a strong body. This is a healthy body. This is a body that works well. This is a body that serves me and serves you. And I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. This body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You notice I'm doing this with my eyes closed. This body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. This body is filled with the glory of God. This body is strong, 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 and getting stronger. Thank you for it, Lord. I thank you, Father, that I'm in my right mind. I thank you, Father, for eyes that see. I thank you, Lord, for ears that hear. I thank you, Father, for a strong heart, for, for a strong back, for strong bones and muscles. Thank you, Lord, for joints that work perfectly. Thank you, Lord, for, for knees and legs, feet and ankle bones that are receiving their strength. Glory to God. I'm getting strong, stronger and stronger in the Lord. Oh, and I thank you for it. I thank you for it. I thank you for it. Do you see what I'm doing here? I'm blessing this body. No matter what this body looks like or feels like, I'm blessing it. I'm thanking him for it, and I'm putting in it the power to multiply. What about your finances? Hmm? What about your finances? What about when the, that unexpected bill comes in? What about when that unexpected thing happens and something doesn't go your way or something breaks and now you got this ma major thing to pay for? That is not the time to look to yourself. And it's certainly not the time to call what you have nothing. It's something. I don't care if it's a buck fifty. Get excited. Get excited. Thank God for it. Bless it. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm strong financially. It's your will for me to be strong. You said this was the year you're perfecting, establishing, strengthening and settling me. That anointing to prosper is on me and it strengthened me. I'm going from weak to strong in Jesus name. And I thank you for what you provided. Thank you, Lord, for putting food on this table. Thank you, Father, for putting clothes on my back and clothing my children. Thank you, Lord, for a place to live and a roof over our head. You have provided so faithfully over and over and over and over again. And I look to you. I'm not looking to, to what I have in the light of what I need. I'm looking to you. I'm looking to you. You got to lift up your eyes, church. Do it right now. Lift up your eyes and begin to thank the Lord. Praise the Lord. Go ahead, guys. 
lift up your own hands and your own voice and begin to thank him and praise him. And whatever you have that's small and needs to be turned into more, whatever you have that's a little that needs to become a lot, begin to bless it now in Jesus' name. This is something our God is good at. This is something our God specializes in. He does it. He can do it with natural things. He can do it with food. He can do it with money. He can do it with people. He took a shepherd boy, turned him into a stone cold giant killer and put him on the throne of the nation. He can take a little and turn it into a lot. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Whether by few or by many, he is able to save. We thank you, Lord. Just a little bit more, church. Let it come up out of your own heart. Let it come up out of your own mouth. Everybody's got something different. Use this opportunity while the anointing is present in this room. Speak to whatever it is that's a little that needs to become a lot and bless it now. Lord, we bless it. We bless our finances. We bless the finances of this church and this ministry. You have been so faithful to provide. We thank you for it and we bless it now in Jesus' name. We hold it before you, Lord, and we thank you for the multiplying power that is in the blessing. Lord, I declare over the finances of every home represented in this church. I bless them now in Jesus' name. Finances be blessed. Material possessions and belongings be blessed. Bodies be blessed in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you for it, Father. We give you praise. We give you glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now listen to me. Complaining is just simply not being thankful. And if you hear it coming out of your mouth, put a stop to it because it's taken you the wrong way. Complaining about what you don't have will take even what you do have and turn it into nothing. But if you'll be thankful for it, no complaining, no grumbling, no whining, no murmuring, nothing but thanksgiving coming out of your mouth. Can you do that all day today? Can you leave today and be more thankful today than you ever have been before? I'm looking, man, I'm looking at you. What so much to be thankful for, huh? So much to be grateful for. Has the Lord ever done anything for you? Has he ever healed you before? Has he ever provided for you? Then you and I have so much to be thankful for. But not just what we have and what we see, but what's yet to come. Glory to God. Father, we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.